0: <laughs> Happy Halloween, you guys, and welcome back to Stories Retold. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Stories Retold. I know you guys might be wondering, Skylar, hey, you missed the quote in the beginning. I did, for a very special reason. So this episode of Stories Retold is going to be a little different than before. So I already surprised you guys once with the full-length book on one episode. And this time, we are going to be reading a short story, a spooky short story, together um in the spirit of halloween i thought that would be something fun we could do so before i go too too deep into um our spooky story of the day um i'm gonna give you a little background information there's not much of a summary but um this story is entitled the pale man by julius long and the little short uh the little short summary they give us says a queer little tale about the eccentric behavior of a strange guest in a country hotel. So um, go ahead and grab your snacks, grab your popcorn and your hot cocoa, or grab all that candy that you're not going to pass out to trick-or-treaters because (laughs) corona be gonna. And let's go ahead and dive into our spooky story of the day. Public service announcement. I want to apologize in advance if I mispronounce any of these words. Something just doesn't make sense. Like, what was that word she said again? Like, forgive me. I'm a country girl with a country mouth. <laughs> Sometimes uh, my words don't make sense in English. So that's a, that's a thing that happens. So I am sorry in advance. And I will be reading the story exactly how it is written. So um, sit back. Relax, i hope you at your snacks by now, and enjoy the story. I have not yet met the man in number 212. I do not even know his name. He never patronizes the hotel restaurant, and he does not use the lobby. On the three occasions when we passed each other by, we did not speak, although we nodded in a semi-cordial, non-committal way. I should like very much to make his acquaintance. It is lonesome in this dreary place. With the exception of the aged lady down the corridor, the only permanent guests are the man in number 212 and myself. However, I should not complain, for this utter quiet is precisely what the doctor prescribed. I wonder if the man in number 212 too has come here for a rest. He is so very pale. Yet I cannot believe that he is ill, for his paleness is not of a sickly cast, but rather wholesome in its ivory clarity. His carriage is that of a man enjoying the best of health. He is tall and straight. He walks erectly with a brisk, athletic stride. His parlor is no doubt congenial, else, he would quickly tan under this burning summer sun. He must have traveled here by auto, for he certainly was not a passenger on the train that brought me, and he checked in only a short time after my arrival. I had briefly rested in my room and was walking down the stairs when I encountered him ascending with his bag. It is odd that our venerable bellboy did not show him to his room. It is odd, too, that with so many vacant rooms in the hotel, he would have chosen number 212 at the extreme rear. The building is a long, narrow affair three stories high. The rooms are all on the east side as the west wall is flushed with a decrepit business building. The corridor is long and drab and its stiff, bloated paper exudes a musty, unpleasant odor. The feeble electric bulbs that light it shine dimly as from a tomb revolted by this corridor i insisted vigorously upon being given room 201 which is at the front and blessed with southern exposure the room clerk a disagreeable fellow with a hitler mustache was very reluctant to let me have it as it is ordinarily reserved for his more profitable transcendent trade i fear my stubborn insistence has made him an enemy If only I had been as self assertive 30 years ago. I should now be a full-fledged professor instead of a broken-down assistant. I still smart from the cavalier manner in which the president of the university summarily recommended my vacation. No doubt he acted for my best interests. The people who have dominated my poor life invariably have. Oh well, the summer rest will probably do me considerable good. It is pleasant to be away from the university. There is something positively gratifying about the absence of the graduate student face. If only it were not so lonely. I must devise a way of meeting the pale man in number 212. Perhaps the room clerk can arrange matters. I have been here exactly a week and if there is a friendly soul in this miserable town, he has escaped my notice. Although the tradespeople accept my money with flattering eagerness, they studiously avoid even the most casual conversation. I'm afraid I can never cultivate their society unless I arrange to have my ancestors recognized as local residents for the last 150 years. Despite the coolness of my reception, I have been frequently venturing abroad. In the back of my mind, I have cherished hopes that I might encounter the man In 211. Incidentally, I wonder why he has moved from number 212. There is certainly little advantage in coming only one room nearer to the front. I noticed the change yesterday when I saw him coming out of his new room. We nodded again, and this time I thought I detected a certain malignant satisfaction in his somber black eyes. He must know that I am eager to make his acquaintance, yet his manner forbids overtures. If he wants to make me go all the way, he can go to the devil. I am not the sort to run after anybody. Indeed, the surly difference of the room clerk has been enough to prevent me from questioning him about his mysterious guest. I wonder where the pale man takes his meals. I have been absenting myself from the hotel restaurant and patronizing the restaurants outside. At each... I have ventured inquiries about the man in number 210. No one at any restaurant remembered his having been there. Perhaps he has entry to the Brahmin homes of this town. And again, he may have found a boarding house. I shall have to learn if there be one. The pale man must be difficult to please, for he has changed his room again. I am baffled by his conduct. If he is so desirous of locating himself more conveniently in the hotel, why does he not move to room 202, which is the nearest available room to the front? Perhaps I can make his inability to locate himself permanently an excuse for starting a conversation. I see we're closer neighbors now, I might casually say. But that's too banal. I must wait for a better opportunity we are going to take a short pause in the story just to say thank you so much again for listening to Stories We Told Podcast. If you would like more stories, check out our previous episodes, as well as on our Instagram page, at Stories Retold Podcast, as well as our Facebook page, Stories We Told Podcast. And if you would like to leave a voice message or on uh what we have done today what you'd like to see more of see less of or whatever your opinions may be head over to anchor.fm stories retold podcast if you'd like to leave a little monetary gift which i would appreciate very much all of that information is in the description box and let's continue on with this story he has done it again now he's occupying number 209 I'm intrigued by his little game. I waste hours trying to fathom at this point. What possible motive could he have? I would think he would get on the hotel people's nerves. I wonder what our combination bellhop chambermaid chambermaid thinks of having to prepare four rooms for a single guest. If he were not stone deaf, I would ask him. At present, I feel too exhausted to attend such an innervating conversation. I am tremendously interested in the pale man's next move. He must either skip a room or remain where he is, for a permanent guest, a very old lady, occupies number 208. She has not budged from her room since I have been here, and I imagine she does not intend to. I wonder what the pale man will do. I await his decision with the nervous excitement of a devotee of the track on the eve of a big race. After all, I have so little diversion. Well, the mystery guest was not forced to remain where he was, nor did he have to skip a room. The lady in number 208 simplified matters by conveniently dying. No one knows the cause of her death, but it is generally attributed to old age. She was buried this morning. I was among the curious few who attended her funeral. When I returned home from the mortuary, I was in time to see the pale man leaving her room already he is moved in. He favored me with a smile, though meaning I have tried in vain to decipher. I cannot but believe that he meant it to have some significance. He acted as if there were some secret that I failed to appreciate. But then, perhaps his smile was meaningless, after all, and only ambiguous by chance, like that of the Mona Lisa. My man of mystery now resides in number 207, and I am not the least surprised. I would have been astonished if he had not made his scheduled move. I have almost given up trying to understand his eccentric conduct. I do not know a single thing more about him than I knew the day he arrived. I wondered from whence he came. There is something indefinably foreign about his manner. I am curious to hear his voice. I like to imagine that he speaks in the exotic tongue of some faraway country. If only I could somehow inveigle him into conversation. I wish that I were possessed with the guilt assurance of a college boy who can address himself in the most distinguished celebrity without batting an eye. It is no wonder that I am only an assistant professor. I am worried. This morning, I awoke to find myself lying prone upon the floor. I was fully clothed. I must have fallen exhausted there after I returned to my room last night. I wonder if my condition is more serious than I had suspected. Until now, I have been inclined to discount the fears of those who have pulled a long face about me. For the first time, I recall the prolonged hand clasp of the president, when he bade me goodbye from the university. Obviously, he had never expected to see me alive again. Of course, I'm not that unwell. Nevertheless, I must be more careful. Thank heavens I have no dependents to worry about. I have not even a wife, for I was never willing to exchange the loneliness of a bachelor for the loneliness of a husband." I can say in all sincerity that the prospect of death does not frighten me. The speculation of life beyond the grave has always bored me. Whatever it is, or is not, I'll try to get along. I have been so preoccupied about the sudden turn of my own affairs that I have neglected to make note of a most extraordinary incident. The pale man has done an astounding thing. He has skipped three rooms and moved all the way to number 203 we are very close neighbors we shall meet oftener and my chances for making his acquaintance are now greater i have confined myself to my bed during the last few days and i have had food brought to me i even call for a local doctor whom i suspect to be a quack he looked me over with professional indifference and told me not to leave my room for some reason he did not want me to climb stairs for this bit of information he received a ten dollar bill which as I directed him, he fished out of my coat pocket. A pickpocket could not have done it better. He had not been gone long when I visited the room clerk. That Worthy suggested with a great show of kindly concern that I use the facilities of the local hospital. It was so modern and all that. With more firmness than I have been able to muster for a long time, I gave him to understand that I intend to remain where I am. I am. Frowning sullenly, he stiffly retired. The doctor must have paused long enough downstairs to tell him a pretty story. It's obvious that he's afraid I shall die in his best room. The pale man is up to his old tricks. Last night, when I tottered down the hall, the door of number 202 was ajar. Without thinking, I looked inside. The pale man sat in a rocking chair, idly smoking a cigarette. He looked up into my eyes and smiled, that particular ambiguous smile that has so deeply puzzled me. I moved on down the corridor, not so much mystified as annoyed. The whole mystery of the man's conduct is beginning to irk me. It is all so insane, so utterly lacking of motive. I feel that I shall never meet the pale man, but at least I am going to learn his identity. Tomorrow, I shall ask for the room clerk and deliberately interrogate him. I know now, I know the identity of the pale man, and I know the meaning of his smile. Early this afternoon, I summoned the room clerk to my bedside. Please tell me, I asked abruptly, who is the man in 202? The clerk stared wearily and uncomprehendingly. You must be mistaken. That room is unoccupied. Oh, but it is. I snapped in irritation. I myself saw the man there only two nights ago. He is a tall, handsome fellow with dark eyes and hair. He is unusually pale. He checked in the day that I arrived. The hotel man regarded me dubiously, as if I were trying to impose on him. But I assure you, there is no such person in the house. As for his checking in when you did, you were the only guest we registered that day. What? Why, I've seen him 20 times. First he had room number 212 at the end of the corridor. Then he kept moving towards the front. Now he's next door in room 202. The room clerk threw up his hands. You're crazy, he exclaimed. And I saw that he meant what he said. I shut up at once and dismissed him. After he had gone, I heard him rattling the knob of the pale man's door. There is no doubt that he believes the room to be empty. Thus, it is that now I understand the events of the past few weeks. I now comprehend the significance of the death in number 207. I even feel partly responsible for the old lady's passing. After all, I brought the pale man with me but it was not I who fixed its path. Why he chose to approach me room after room through the length of this dreary hotel? Why his path crossed the threshold of the woman in number 207? Those mysteries I cannot explain. I suppose I should have guessed his identity when he skipped three rooms the night I fell unconscious upon the floor. In a single night of triumph, he advanced until he was almost to my door. He will be coming by and by to inhabit this room, his ultimate goal. When he comes, I shall at least be able to return his smile with grim recognition. Meanwhile, I have only to wait beyond my bolted door. The door swings slowly open. And that is how our story ends. Wow we. Okay. Um, so let's talk about it. So when I first read this story, I guess in my mind I really wanted the pale man to be a vampire. Why? I don't know. But um maybe the twilight in me. I don't know. But I wanted the pale man to be a vampire and he obviously was not he was death. And I don't think, personally, I didn't understand that he was death until the very end. I did not even think. I was like the man of the story who um, has no has no name. Our narrator has no name. Um, he didn't even think about, oh, you know, the pale man is possibly the reason for the lady in 207's death. He was just like, oh, she's old. She died. It's a thing that happens. But wow, he brought death with him. That is crazy. So I'm still going to get into my favorite part of the story. So my favorite part of this story is how interested he is in the pale man's movements. He's like, I have nothing else to do. So I'm just going to watch this man move from room to room. Just, just wow. And I guess because I'm such, um, I'm more of an ambivert. People say I'm an extrovert, but I feel feel I'm, I'm like receding more into myself. Um, I, I would have just, you know, went up and asked, them, like, hey, what's up? How are you? But, you know, different time, different place. Can't just assume uh, people will act the way you do. But um, I thought it was so interesting how he was just like, well, I have nothing else to do. So I'm just going to watch this man and, um, and, you know, see what he does. My least favorite part of this story is, one, how it ends. Because I really wanted the pale man to say something. Maybe death doesn't doesn't speak, but I wanted the pale man to say something like, I finally caught you, or for the narrator to act like, you know, why me? Like, I mean, he's not afraid of death. We saw in there, he's not really afraid of death. And he was prepared to meet death with a smile that he knew, okay, my time is here. But I still, I don't know. I wanted a conversation with death. Maybe, I don't know. That was something I really wanted. So that's just what I wanted. So the moral of the story, in my opinion, is live your best life because you never know when the pale man is coming. Um, We saw in this, you know, he's like, oh, I'm just an assistant professor, um, I wish I did more. I wish I was more. And he next thing you know, the pale man is following you as your little summer vacation at this hotel in the middle of nowhere, a little country hotel. So live your best life because you never know when the pale man is coming. And that is it for this very special, very spooky episode of Stories Retold Podcast. I know this story wasn't like, scream out and like, you know, get you, but I can't do that. I'm sorry. I'm scared. I'm a scaredy cat, <laughs> but thank you guys so much for, um, listening to the episode and hanging out with me and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed reading it. Um, like I said earlier, if you are interested in more stories, retold related things, check out our previous episodes as well as our Instagram and Facebook page. Both are stories retold podcast, And um, if you are interested in leaving a voice message that can be played on this, this very platform, um, go to anchor.com or anchor.fm, whatever it is, it will be in the description below. So go ahead and check that out. I hope everyone has a very happy and safe Halloween, happy Dio de los Muertos or whatever you celebrate. Enjoy today. Be safe no matter what. And until next time, on your own stories, read to expand your mind, and I will see you next time. Bye!